This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Everybody's played. There's one game left over. I wonder whom that might be. It's a weird Sunday night pre-match show here. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. You like Monday night games then, Seb? It's a bit weird doing the pre-match show on a, on a, on a <laughs> Sunday, isn't it? But I guess, yeah, this is the new normal, isn't it? Saturday, three o'clock games, especially at Portman Road, are definitely a thing of the past. And I guess, yeah, the more it's, it's the price you pay for success, isn't it? And I've had to come to this completely different studio, which is orange and and not blue. It's, you know, it's really, it's really messing with my brain. Um, third placed Ipswich Town versus first place Leicester City tomorrow night. This is... The preview show, we will be back on Tuesday night with the kind of review flagship show. Welcome, everybody who's like clockwork, still here in the chat. Get your comments in, get your takes. A little bit about what's going on this weekend. We will save the bulk of that for after the game so we can kind of review all 12 games, Mikey. But we do. You're not Mikey, you're Seb. Mikey is going to be hosting the show on Tuesday. I'm caught between two different plugs there. Um, but we do need to just make mention of what has gone on, particularly at the top of the championship table, um, because once again, uh, Southampton have overtaken us, Seb. So, and this is really interesting this week because Leeds play Norwich on Wednesday and they're four points behind. So I think you know where I'm going with that, Seb. <laughs> um, the way things are all set up now, Leicester seven points clear of uh, Southampton and ourselves. A draw for us was put us back into second place. Um, a win, and everyone starts to look a little bit more at Leicester, which we'll talk about in just a second. If we're defeated and Leeds win on Wednesday, Seb, 58, 58. 57 and Leeds will be 17 to play at that point. Quick little take on the on the table um, without necessarily getting into 
um, all of the games. It's all starting to bunch up, isn't it? You know, Leeds today with a, was it, 94th minute penalty from Joel Pirro. It was a handball. Those that have seen it against Preston, I was praying they were going to hold out, but unfortunately they couldn't. And it's all getting a little bit tight. But obviously the game you want, if it's all bunching up and you, you've had your points closed down and you want to go away to Leicester, don't you, being one of the uh, one of the easier games of the division. So all we can do is go there tomorrow night, see what we can get from it and, and what will be, will be. You know, there's no pressure on us in this kind of four-way shootout for, for two spots they're the ones with the parachute payments they're the ones with the high expectations our team has delivered so many times in the past we can just simply you know make sure you get behind them and let's see where we stand come after the you know the the window will close we'll play Preston away uh, early first weekend of, of February the window will have settled down the squad will have settled down and let's see where the land lies at that point I think I've got a new um fail safe saying at the moment Seb um a poker player can play their hand perfectly and still not win, um, which is where I'm kind of going with this season. Just a, I've just got it set up in the in the background, my um, profound um, business there. Um, right, do you want to get into this then? Oh no, we've got a news item first. No striker in, but a striker we're quite fond of, and who, um, if you look at the start to finish results of his period at Ipswich Town. He's up there with Matt Holland probably, isn't he, in terms of while he was at the club, things going terribly right. Freddie Ladapo is gone. Yeah, I, I guess it was always on the cards, wasn't it? I kind of thought we would get somebody in the building before we let him move on because I know he's not featured much recently. You know, he got, what, two minutes against Stoke, was it? Didn't feature at all against Sunderland. I know he played in the FA Cup, but I guess this move has kind of been on the cards for a couple of weeks now. And I guess if you, if you do hang on, maybe that move falls through and be Charlton get itchy feet and they move elsewhere. He's gone there on loan till the end of the season. Maybe their managerial situation is what's resulted in a loan deal rather than a permanent if reports are to be be believed. Appleton is maybe on the verge of his way out. And I guess, you know, like Greg Lee, like Kyler, we, we wish him well, don't we? You know, he did... I know it's not ended amazingly. There've been, you know, criticism of him recently, but last season, 21 goals in all competitions, featured in every single league game, you know, either starting or coming off the bench and scored some pretty crucial goals. I was at Port Vale on a horrible, stormy, physical, minging night and he bangs up with a couple of goals. We've got the the one against Peterborough, the kind of turn and swivel right at the end of that game and and he leaves us with some great memories. It's it's kind of sad how it's ended up and he's just the latest one of these. I like the term um, Joe used, I think he put it in the Telegram group, he called them promotion babies, you know, we're all going to be sad when these promotion babies start to move on, and maybe he's not obviously in the camp of a you know, obviously a Leaf Davis, a Connor Chaplin and Ethan Broadhead, but he was still a, a really good servant last year, and we've just moved on as a club, haven't we? You know, he's been left behind a little bit. He's is what it is. He's a very good league one striker and he can probably do a job in the bottom 10 of the championship, but we're not that anymore. You know, we've, we've moved on. He's been left behind and we wish him all the best. He's out of contract in the summer. So I assume it will be a, a release parting of the ways, but at least now he's got four or five months to go and play a bit of football. Thank you for the memories and all the best for the future. That front two is a bit like, Sutton and Shearer, 1994, isn't it? In um, in League One terms, Alfie May and Freddie Ladapo. Very much so. Yeah, I guess those two kind of do guarantee your goals. It'll be interesting if the uh, if the the managerial sacking does happen. If Appleton does get I, fired, I think, it'll be interesting. I think you can assume that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Maybe that's why it's a loan deal. I don't know. Maybe the owners don't want to commit to a, you know, somebody else's man. But he is, he will guarantee you, you know, 15, 20 league goals if he plays the majority of the season at that level. So he's probably the closest thing to a sure bet that you can get in League One, isn't he? 
Absolutely. Um, ITFC women bounce back from last week's FA Cup exit. Exit? Exit? And with a 6-1 win at struggling London Bees in League Cup action. Next weekend at the AGL against Portsmouth. Um, right. We've put them off long enough. Although we did get a draw against them. Um, and here I go again with one of my well-trotted sayings, Seb. Leicester are not a normal relegated U1 parachute team, are they? It's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, I've done the research for this show now for three years. I think it's been two and a half, three years, three and a half years maybe. And normally when you're going through the squads, you, you highlight the key players and there's normally a couple of standout performers. This squad is the ultimate championship cheat code, isn't it? You know, in the past, we've discussed Tammy Abraham at Villa, Mitrovic at Fulham, Tyrone Mings, John Terry at Villa. But this entire squad is just insane that said they have lost more games than we've lost this season obviously we're we've had the fewest defeats in the league so far so i guess that goes in our favor and they have got some big players missing a combination of various continental competitions around the globe and some injuries and stuff and suspensions so maybe it's a good time to be playing them but you know anything else but champions elect breaking the reddings points total of was it 106 in 2005 2006 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're trending for i think it's like 110 or something crazy so they will beat that they will win the league i think and it's just a complete freak anomaly of a of a relegation isn't it? let's be honest yeah um i think you were saying that average position was like seventh or something there's i think there's two top five uh finishes in the last four years and remember, Barnes, Madison and Telemans were in this squad that got relegated. It was just a weird season last season because Forrest, Fulham and Bournemouth all stayed up, didn't they? We had Forrest sign a ton of players. Bournemouth um, kind of sacked Scott Parker early and then really surprised everyone, uh, didn't they? And Fulham were excellent and halfway up the table for most of the season. And... Um, I kind of sleptwalked, sleptwalked, sleepwalked, <laughs> sleptwalked um, into it and um, kept maybe kept Brendan Rodgers a little bit too long and then Dean Smith wasn't really the answer, was it? Yeah, I think you're, you're right, aren't you? There was a there was an international break. It might have been October or November and a lot of people, I think they got thumped by, was it Forrest? They lost to somebody quite heavily. I think everybody thought at that point Brendan Rodgers was going to go and the owners stuck with him and they, they stay with him right and through till April. It's only eight games to go at the end of the season when they bring in Dean Smith. And and yeah, throughout the year, everyone kept saying, oh, Leicester won't go down. You know, they'll, they'll just go and win five, six, seven games on the spin and get themselves out of it and finish 10th 12th or something but it didn't happen and, and and like you say they did kind of sleepwalk into this into this scenario normally sides circle the drain don't they for a few years you had Southampton Leeds they kind of managed to stay up best players get pinched and they can't manage it on a, on a follow-up occasion but yeah the average finish of this team was seventh in the Premier League across the last four or five seasons before the relegation it is not a side that was battling week in week out against the drop since their first season up there you know the, the first season they go up they manage to stay up we all know they then win the league the next season which is still crazy one of the best sporting achievements of all time and since then it was pretty comfortable there was a Champions League campaign there was a FA couple Cup of 
Yeah, FA Cup win, Charity Shield win, couple of Europa League campaigns, Europa Conference League campaign. And yeah, out of nowhere, they got themselves relegated. And like you said, the names of the players that left in the summer, you know, you see what this squad is doing now. And you take into account the fact that Madison was there and Tillemans was there, Sayunchu at the back, all these Johnny Evans, all these players left on, on freeze or transfers. And you think to yourself, how did they get themselves in, in such a mess? I guess it is holding on to Brendan for a bit too long and potentially not bringing in a survival expert from sort of the, the January transfer onwards. Yeah, I think the, the difference between, say, a Newcastle and an Aston Villa um, is there was ownership problems at Newcastle and Aston Villa, weren't there? Um, Randy Lerner over to Dr. Tony at Villa. I'm trying to think of clubs that have kind of been equally successful and then got relegated into the championship. Um, so that's the state of the league table. And I mean, yeah, you mentioned the four games, just the 21 wins I'm looking at. <laughs> um, it's a bit weird, wasn't it? Because at the start of the season, um, I saw their first game live and I was a bit like, okay, got loads of good players. It's kind of looked a bit Scott Parkery, if you know what I mean, overly methodical textbook, slow football. But, um, I think after the first international break, they really got into a nice, nice groove, didn't they? Yeah, very much so. You know, like we said, look at the table there. They're currently sitting first, 65 points. They've won 21 out of 27 games, which is 77%. Two draws, four defeats, a plus 34 goal difference. They're just, yeah, they 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 maybe took a little while to settle down. And as soon as they got into that run, I remember them losing back-to-back games against Watford and Middlesbrough. That would have been maybe October, November time. So when they lose a game, we'll discuss in a minute last weekend out, when they lose a game, they have kind of struggled to follow it up previously. But once they get going, they're just a side that's capable of you know banging what five winning nine eight nine out of ten games and that's why they are you know where they are and the the squad is crazy their form at the moment they've got the third best form in the division based on the last six behind Southampton and Coventry 13 points from the last six played it's four wins and a draw the draw was the the boxing day game against us the one or draw obviously and the loss to Coventry which we'll discuss in a minute it's just scary form the home form is superb second best in the championship after Leeds's late win today uh, 33 points from 13 games averaging I think 2.5 points per game at home two defeats both sides had to keep clean sheets to beat them Hull beat them 1-0 Leeds beat them 1-0 haven't drawn at home yet five straight home five straight home wins and they've only conceded seven goals uh, all season at home so could still be fun though let's be honest <laughs> Well, um, we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the opportunity in terms of the players missing. Um, let's just talk a little bit about the last game, because my memories of that game on Boxing Day, there was a point in the first half I thought, we're, we're in trouble. Um, we're in trouble here. I thought for about 15 minutes in the first half, I thought I really played us off the pitch for a while. But then we all know, Seb, that it stayed at 1-0, didn't it? And I thought we were really good in the second half and kept plugging away and plugging away. And we, we said this on the, um, on the review show at the time that two things can be simultaneously true. Yes, our goal was lucky, but it doesn't mean it wasn't deserved at, at the point. So I guess we've got good memories of playing Leicester recently and park the fact that we're weakened, although we did play a lot of that game without George Hurst at that point anyway, but they're going to be weakened too. Yeah, potentially it's a good time to play them. We'll discuss their squad. We'll come on to their squad and the players they've got missing through injury and suspension and away at the African Cup and stuff. And 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 yeah, we fully deserve that point on Boxing Day. You know, when 
when uh, who was it scored? Um, Mamadidi scored, didn't he? When he cut inside on his right hand foot and kind of buried it in the in the corner, there was some criticism of Flagki, and you kind of thought, right here they go, are they going to step up now? Because you know we we were battered by Leeds a few days before, but we fully deserved it. That second half performance by us was was brilliant, and we get a bit of luck maybe with the the, the Burgess Dewsbury Hall kind of challenge in the area. Oh yeah, yeah, quite yeah. easily have been given as a, as a as a penalty, but I think we fully deserved it. We played really well, and you deserve that bit of luck sometimes. It was a double deflection, wasn't it, in the ninety third minute? when Morsey kind of hits it and it goes in off a couple of their players. I think it was Investigard and somebody else it deflects off. And we were good value for that point. And I guess that does give us hope going there. And like I said earlier, they have lost more games than us. They've lost four games so far this season. We've only lost three. So, you know, this is a side that, that can be got at as Coventry proved last weekend. And I suppose the good thing is, that what was it? Did you say Hull, Coventry, Leeds... Middlesbrough away they lost to as well. So Yeah, the two home defeats were Hull and Leeds, the away ones were Middlesbrough and Yeah, they're not um, weird outlier defeats. They are good size. I know Middlesbrough are kind of more in the middle of the table, but that has generally been a good side over the past eighteen months as well. So part of my brain is saying, well, you know, we're a good side. Um that, that kind of fits that narrative as well. They've not I think that the point is they've just beaten up um maybe the lesser lights, hence the um, 21, um, 21 wins thus far. Um, do you want to move on to their, um, well, let's not move on past David Bergein's 50 euro super oh, sticker wow. there in the chat. That's very, very kind indeed. I think David posted one right at the end of a show. Yeah, and we week, missed yeah. it recently. So we've got to say a huge double thanks um, for David. And that is um, very, very kind indeed. Um, do you want to move on to um, what you suspect their sort of team to be then, Seb? Yeah, so, I mean, like I say, they've got players missing at the moment. And we had the pre-match presser from Maresca, didn't we, who uh, who came out and admitted that Keenan Dewsbury Hall, as of, I think it was Friday, was a doubt for the game. And that would be a huge plus for us. You know, he's kind of playing the more advanced of the the central midfield three, joint assists, uh, sorry, joint top scorer and assist maker with nine each. Came through the academy, 85 Premier League appearances. He was linked with Liverpool last summer. So hopefully, if the, the rumours are to be true, he will be a doubt. And I guess that will mean the three midfielders will probably be Harry Wink, the nine million pound signing, 128 <laughs> Premier League appearances, nine England, ten England cap central midfielder, alongside probably Dennis Pratt, 20 million quid a few years ago, and um, Hamza Chowdhury. I guess will come in there in there in the engine room, so to speak. Uh, Mavadidi, the guy can who I, scored. Go can on. I just make a comment on that, Seb? Yeah? I don't understand if um, Dewsbury Hall was doubtful why it would be mentioned if he was likely to play. My my feeling with football managers is they drip that in so fans are not disappointed, not not the other way around. So I don't know. Um uh, as you say, if a if a manager of a year one parachute team with an entire squad of 10 million pound players feels like he needs to uh, play mind games over a promoted League One team, then so be it. But I don't quite understand why he would say that if Dewsbury Hall was likely to play. Am I am I clutching at straws there? No, I think probably fair comment. Like you say, you know, he's got no reason to come out with the with the mind games there at home. They've got this advantage at the top of the table. So why would you? Maybe he's just laying the ground, as you say, for an explanation of why he's why he's not going to feature. They've got some issues up front at the minute. Obviously, Jamie Vardy is the striker that everybody knows about when you talk about Leicester City. He's back in training. He's been out since the end of November. He's back in training now. So I'd imagine he'll probably be a bench option. And they've gone with Tom Cannon recently. They signed him in the summer from Everton for seven million quid. Uh, and they've got Patson Dacker 
and they've got Kalichi Iniacho away at the AFCON um, tournament. So they are light in the forward positions. Uh, Cannon's got a couple of goals in six appearances so far this season. He's kind of been playing second fiddle to those players who aren't going to be featuring. So I assume they'll start with him in the behind the central, the focal point, but expect to see Jamie Vardy at some point in that, that second half. Uh, Mads Hermanson, the goalkeeper, top save percentage in the division, 77.7% of shots faced. He's saved and he's also the highest average, uh, sorry, the highest goals prevented with 4.7. So a, a decent keeper. Did you think he looked a bit shaky playing out from the back in the Boxing Day game? Or do you think I, I'm being harsh there? I didn't say him. No, it's really good, okay. actually. Yeah, I, I, I rather enjoyed him and I can see what you get for six million quid in the championship when you sign a where you, where you signed a keeper. But no, I, I thought he was good, actually, Seb, yeah. Yeah, he's got all the stats backing him up. Centre-backs will be Wout Faz. He played at left-back, didn't he, in the game? We kind of thought Wes Burns might have a chance to turn on the afterburners and get him behind it, but it didn't really happen. He'll be one of the centre-backs, along with Yannick Vestergaard. Vestergaard is the highest average accurate passes per 90 minutes in the league with just under 99. So it's a squad that has got absolute quality throughout it. Wilfred Ndidi is out. He won't feature. He's got, I think it's a hamstring injury. He's out until April. He got subbed. He got booked, didn't he, in the second half against us and was immediately subbed um, by Maraska, so so he he won't feature, and they've got Harry Souter away playing understudy to Cameron Boy. He, to be fair, he might be partnering Cameron Bird or starting at him. I don't know in the Australia Cup, but it's like we say, it's still a side that is oozing with with quality, and we will obviously have to be at our very best to to get something out of him. Can I ask you about? Maresca, Enzo Maresca, what's your kind of views on him? Do we, do we think we can't really judge him this season because of the squad he's got? And do you think next season is a better chance to kind of review him and see what he's like? He's in his second managerial gig, isn't he? he was obviously man, everyone knows him, Man City, Pep's assistant manager. He had a spell at Palmer a couple of years ago that didn't go very well and he got fired only a few months into that. What's your views on Maresca? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I agree with the point that you're hinting at, that basically, if he doesn't finish first or second, you're kind of like, okay, how have you not finished in the in the top two with that squad? So there's a little bit of a no-win situation. Um, and what I will say is, you know, I mentioned Scott Parker earlier and, you know, he took Bournemouth up automatically and um, uh, Fulham through the playoffs. And everyone was saying, oh, they went up because of their squad in spite of the manager, not because of the manager. There's not those vibes, is there, where they look well coached and it looks like it works. Um, For him to be the manager of the year, this sounds ridiculous. I think he has to score 107 points. Otherwise, you know, if McKenna's anywhere close or Mark Robbins gets Coventry or Corberon or, you know, whoever. So it's, it's a difficult one to judge. He's obviously doing a good job, but he obviously has a large advantage, um, doesn't he? And uh, Mr. Peanut is correct. If he's a really, really good manager, then they're going to miss him because he's got a touchline ban tomorrow. What's what's your take on him? Or are you just waiting until the end of the season and registering the points total? Yeah, I think very much like you, you're waiting to see if they can kind of smash the record. A, a, season, a successful season for them at the start of the season when they appoint him is promotion. It's how they do that. Obviously, that's the question. If they win the league, smash Reading's points total and kind of set themselves up with a, a style of football and patterns of play that will serve them well next season going into the Premier League, then yeah, he's done a great job. But yeah, anything less than, you know, champions by 
I don't know what, 10 points on second place probably was is par for the course. And then I guess next season you'll see what he's really like. You know, we've seen Mikel Arteta went obviously to Arsenal, struggled for a couple of years and now has completely got it right. And next season, I think, will be the time when you can start to to judge him based on the recruitment they'll do in the summer and uh, and how he'll get on with the, with the Premier League campaign. Just discussing their recruitment in January, they've done nothing as of yet in the in the pre-match presser. Maresca came world, out and said that... First world problems, yeah? Yeah, I mean, we, do they need anything at all? Getting the light up front, like we've just mentioned, but you know, that's only a short term. It from Inter for 20 million euros or something. Is that, yeah, they've been linked to what they're going to do. Yeah, been linked with I can't think of his name. Uh, Stefano Sensi, Inter Milan right, central yeah, yeah, midfielder. Yeah. Um, they had the the lad on loan from Chelsea, uh, Kazar Kasady, who was recalled on Friday night. He would <laughs> that have come helps in and as featured. well with Dewsbury Hall potentially not around. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, he'd have obviously come in and um, and he would have played against us on Sunday, so on Monday night. Sorry, so that's a uh, that's another bonus. But you know, do they need anything in reality? Probably not. Luke Thomas, the left back, has come back from a half season loan spell at Sheffield United. Daniel Everson, the backup keeper has gone to Stoke on loan. And yes, at the moment, they are light at the top end of the pitch with, you know, Tom Cannon's relatively inexperienced. Vardy is incredibly experienced, but he's now 37 and is coming back from injury problems. But in, what, three weeks, four weeks' time, they'll have Iniacho and Daka back who will, you know, lead the line to the end of the season. So I guess they're probably in a position where they're best off holding off on their recruitment until the summer. And they can really look to really look to go again and, and, and recruit for a, for a Premier League campaign. Yeah, so the sort of bonus... Um, by the way, if you're getting triggered by us literally objectively saying what Leicester's players are worth and how many points they're worth, I'd suggest maybe leave the podcast and just watch just watch the game um, tomorrow and that might be easier. We're just telling you the players they've got and what they've done this this season. There's no um, element of smoke being blown. If you're uncomfortable with that, that may be um, more reflection on you than us, Seb. I think we're just trying to... Um, lay it out in the most balanced way possible. So the um, the other good area is that Fatawu, um, or I thought actually Mark Leaf Davis quite well and stopped him well in the um, in the first half. So he's going to be out, and it's likely to be McAteer, the um, sort of front right, um, and that central midfield area where they're going to be weak. We hope is the other one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the opportunity, isn't it, for us to really get at them. I know we're going to be missing Morsey, but that in central midfield battle will be incredibly important. Harry Wings will start as the deeper lying one. And then, like I said, it'll probably be Dennis Pratt, I would imagine, in alongside him. If Dewsbury Hall plays, he'll play slightly more advanced. If he doesn't, it'll probably be Chowdhury bringing kind of energy and box-to-boxness, if that's a word, um, alongside him. But yeah, that's that's where they, they can be got at. You know, for the guy, uh, Fatawu, who play, was playing on the right, he got sent off, didn't he? Was it before halftime? Right on the stroke of halftime, I think, against Coventry last weekend. He's been in decent form, two goals, seven assists so far this season. So him missing is a plus. McAteer is just working his way back from injury, I think. So he might well not last the last the 90 minutes. So there are there are opportunities in this squad I think we can really look to look to get at them. And obviously it's a you know our overall head to head against them is is pretty reasonable. It's pretty even. We've got 27 Ipswich wins, 18 draws, 26 Leicester wins. The last time we played, we've just discussed obviously the last time we played at the King Power, cast your minds back to February 2014, 3-0 David, defeat. 
bloody as... Nugent, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nugent obviously scored, as he always did. Loney, former Loney, Chris, well, no, it would have been a future Loney, wouldn't he, the next season. Chris Wood got one of the goals, and obviously Jamie Vardy scored against us. That was uh, February 2014, so that's Mick's first full season in charge, I think it was. And the last time we won at the King Power Stadium, I think it might have been called the, was it the Walkers back then? I don't remember. Was a late 2-1 victory on Boxing Day 2002. Thomas Gardso that is and one Darren of the Ambrose. Best headers I've yeah. ever how on earth he got that in, I will never, ever, ever know. It was phenomenal, wasn't it? Really late on. We were one nil down till fairly late, and then Ambrose scored a goal. And I think it's his free kick that Gardso scores. And what I'm gonna do now, I do this with Rich and he absolutely hates it. I'm gonna throw a lineup quiz at you for Let's that eleven that started in Boxing Day two thousand and two at the Walkers slash King Power. You've got two of them, Ambrose and Gardso you've got because they were the two goal scorers. So you're looking at the other nine players. Go for it. So this is the first season down after relegation is it yeah this is the burley gets fired after grimsby joe royal takes over and yeah we do we finish outside the playoffs we finish seventh i think on the on the final day of the season matt holland yep andy marshall yes i think um, the formation i think was a 5-3-2 if that helps jamie clapham yep jim mcgilton still there yep yep um center backs good uh john mcgreal no, must have been injured. Um, are people helping me here? Fabian Wilness. Yes, I think he was the right wing back. I think he was playing another wing back or another full back out of position, sort of tucked in at right, right centre back in a back three. Left us under Chris, acrimonious Chris, circumstances a couple of years later. Chris Makin. Yeah, that's the one. So that's the, you've got the back five because Gardso was the goal scorer. So you're missing one of the central midfield three and the two strikers. Matt um, Sixto Peralta. No, he'd gone. He was on loan in the Prem, wasn't he? He didn't return. Was he? Unfortunately. Did he come back the next season? No, no um, rumours, but he never did, unfortunately. Gives a clue. Um, came back under Jim McGill a couple of times. Dave's best mate hangs out in his Audi TT. Oh, Tommy Miller. Yeah, Tommy <laughs> yeah. Miller. So I'm the two striker then? The two strikers, yeah, two strikers. Marcus and Darren Bent? Uh, Marcus Bent started. Darren Bent was on the bench, and the other striker was Pablo. Wow. And that, so he did well then. No, fair play. He did, he did well. That squad didn't get promoted. Crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. <laughs> didn't actually that season in the home game? Didn't we beat Leicester six-one? Yeah, it was like the second and game of the season. Fernidi scored, and yeah, I thought, hit the bar for Leicester, didn't he? And then I remember Muzzy Izzet was absolutely running the game and tearing us apart. And I think he got subbed with an injury or something just before halftime. And as soon as that happened, we kind of took charge. And yeah, I thought we were looking at the champions that day. Wow. There you go. Um, right. Let me bring our last team up. And I don't imagine you're going to have sort of too many switches um, from this one. How do I do that with one click? There we go. Um, so this is the team we put out against Sunderland. Um, we were hoping maybe there would have been a striker come back in um, or come into the club by this point. But look, you've got to play the long game. Haven't you? So last time out, it was Fladke, uh, Clark Wolfen, and Edmondson Davis, Taylor and Travis. That's the interesting area, central midfield, isn't it? Uh, Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, and Caden Jackson. How similar, Seb, do you see it being? I think, assuming what McKenna said in his post-match, uh, pre-match regarding um, Luongo being potentially out with his, his ankle injury, I don't think it changes. Do you? 
obviously Slacky's the big miss and I think that that lineup is what it is and Jackson are presumably at 60 minutes 65 70 minutes maybe will that will have run his race and we'll see Broadhead go up top and Sarmiento coming on the left-hand side apart from that it's, it was a good performance against Sunderland I thought and I think those players deserve to start again and I think that's what it will be can, can you see any can you foresee any real changes the only ones would be if there's a tactical reason that Kieran McKenna's got something practiced with um, it to Anzabi, if that would they take um, Edmondson back out? I don't know. I thought Edmondson was really good against. He's been playing Dunham. so well though, hasn't he? Since he since he came back yeah. in, you know, he's yeah, been playing that's, really well. It so. out there as yeah, as a maybe. And then it's just a central midfield. Do you? Um, I know what Joe was saying on the pod about um, that. You have. Um, so Morsi and no, which way did he have this Morsi and Travis for one side and Taylor and Luongo for the other side, whether, yeah. you know, whether you could break that and have Morsi and Travis just for loads of, exp- sorry, excuse me, Luongo and Travis just for loads of experience or whether, whether Taylor stays in. I, 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 I don't know. Um, and I, but I'm sure McKenna's been, you know, had the team, Sussed since Monday, they've been working on it all week. I hope if Luongo was fit, I'd, I'd have him in for Taylor and and go with Luongo and Travis and kind of you know make that central midfield really combative. Is he definitely out? And- is he? I think I, I think I've, the pre-match press. It was a weird one being a Sunday. Obviously, I've, I've read the comments on TWTD, and it, it suggests that maybe, yeah, maybe he is. He rolled his ankle, didn't he? Was it the day before the Leicester game? I think on the Friday or the Thursday in training. Um, so I guess they've they've had a scan and are waiting it. And I think the consensus was from the from the pre-match press conference was that he was potentially yeah going to be missing for this one. If if he's back, happy days. I'd have him straight back in alongside Travis, like I say, and make that central mad midfield really competitive. I really like Luongo when he pushes on into that left-hand channel and gives that security for for Leif Davis to bomb forward and and that's what I would do but assuming he's not going to make it which I guess is probably the case then it'll be Taylor one it Taylor and and Travis and maybe another sub appearance from Dumball Dumball was really I thought really decent when he came on against Sunderland snapped into a few tackles and maybe he'll be the relief if Travis can't do the 90 minutes Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So the one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure Kieran McKenna will be studiously trying to figure this out. So when Leicester have the ball, they spread out their... So one fullback goes one side, the two centre-backs, they spread across to a three, and Ricardo, the... um, I think you play right back 
tomorrow. Pereira. They'll bring in yeah. Callum Doyle, who got to the playoff final with Coventry, or James Justin, who's played for England and can play either side. If they're not going to play Connor Cody, who also plays for England. But apparently we're not allowed to say that because the chat will get chat will get triggered because Leicester got too many good players. But I'm just saying who they are. Is there any tactic? Surely, I'm, I'm sure we all sat there and thought about these turnover and these wide open spaces in between those three centre-backs. I don't know. I mean, when you look at the teams that have beaten them, though, Seb, Hull um, is kind of methodical and equally kind of paced. Leeds actually sat in against them. Um, you know, I watched that. I watched that game and it was a reasonably defensive um, sort of performance. Middlesbrough beat them late, didn't they? And Coventry, yeah, they're very good um, defensively, but um, they sit in, don't they, um, Coventry? They must, they must, must, must um, have some kind of, they must have been working on something from the first game. Do you think we can do do that kind of more disciplined side to us? I know we we, we didn't at Ellen Road, did we? And look how that ended up turning out. And some of the, I guess, the, the post-match chat there was maybe we should have gone there a little bit more more disciplined. I guess with I guess the key thing I think tomorrow night will be Jackson exploiting those those channels. You know, if we can get him in behind the fullbacks and give license to the likes of Chaplin to break into the box, that could be absolutely crucial. I, I don't think he'll be able to do it for the 90 minutes. It's going to be incredibly high octane, high energy pressing from him. Um but you know, Leicester are more towards the Southampton scale of the kind of slower and more intricate build-up play, and I think we'll treat tomorrow night. Do you remember we went to Derby away last year, and it was it was kind of a counter-attacking game. You know, we would sit back and try and keep the possession, and then really look to hit sides quickly on the break. I could see it being that kind of game where you utilise the pace of you know a, a Jackson, a Burns, a moment of magic from Broadhead to really look to get in behind and cause trouble. But I think we'll have to be more disciplined for the entire ninety certainly than we were at Ellen Road. I think going there and attacking them wouldn't be the, the, the best course course of action. And that's why I would like Luongo in that central midfield position if he is available, just to really kind of, you know, recycle the ball, do some of the, the, the dark arts that you need sometimes at this level and just kind of keep things ticking over. And then as soon as you get that opportunity to hit them, that's when you really look to utilise the, um, the pace in behind. Gary, thank you so, so much. £10 um, in the Super Chat. Thank you very, very much. Very, very kind um, indeed. What I would say, Seb, is your, your comment about them being more similar to Southampton than Leeds is, is in terms of our approach, is that um, they're not going to attack us um, in the way Leeds did vertically and with massive pace and they just kept picking us off. The problem we had in the game at Portman Road in that horrible 15 minutes, I remember, in the first half, is we tried to do our kind of lopsided shape. And when they're in possession, they were so confident at the back on the ball. They spread the five players across the front. And then poor old Clark um, was kind of having to want to tuck in because there's literally five players going. And they were able to then switch the play. And it was like, oh, my God, they're overload there, massive space there, etc. 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 So um, that would be the difference that they're not going to counterattack you. But if they start building the play, you know, when they were doing it with the goalie coming into the into the back three and able to get the what is it? It's like three two five basically. It ends yeah. up when they've got the ball. That was that was a big problem, wasn't it? 
Yeah, very much so. And when they get going, you know, they, they they really will. One thing that's worth discussing as well, I know I said earlier they've only conceded seven goals at home. Four of those have been from set pieces. You know, winning goal last week for Connor Chaplin from a set piece, a couple against Wimbledon in the Cup. Hopefully set pieces are now part of our arsenal again. And they do have a tendency to, well, they are vulnerable. That's their vulnerability at home is from set piece goals. So potentially with Davis, hopefully now another week on the training field, back up to, to full sharpness and full fitness, that could be an option for us as well, I guess. Amazing stuff. Um, we will go to some questions then. If you want to throw any questions um, in there, please feel free. Um, and then I think we can get some predictions, although I know what our chat's going to say. Um, maybe add some add some nuance into it rather than just um, telling us that they're not Real Madrid or Barcelona, which we haven't said at any point. We're very aware they are Leicester that we are playing. Um, Seb, our predictions in terms of um, the normal preview show, we're going to kind of go back to that because um, we haven't had all the results. Obviously. We're going to go back to that with the next show, right? The Maidstone show. Can do. Yeah, we're back from, uh, on will be Thursday night, won't we, for the uh, for the Maidstone preview. So I guess we can focus on that. Yeah, the, this week's predictions after our game and get a full, a full picture, I guess, makes sense. Um, right. Throw your questions in. Get any predictions um, in as well if you want. Um, who's going from the Blue Monday team? I think we're quite well represented there. I'm going. I think Mikey's going. Joe's going. Joe's Craig's going. going. Yeah, I think you're all there. It's just me, Dave and Rich sitting out, I think. I shit. Well, you won't be sitting out. You'll be watching it on the on the yeah. telly box um, as well. Um, uh, Sarmiento to start. Tomorrow, I think, um, is Harry from Bath's um, covalent bonds are uh, going to be the thing that stops him starting tomorrow, isn't it? I think so. I mean, if he starts, the, the chances are that Broadhead's probably gone through the middle. And I think Jackson deserves to start after his goal last week. And as I mentioned a minute ago, he gives you that raw pace, which no one else in the squad can do, which you can look to get in behind. So I've been really impressed with Sam again. So off the bench against Wimbledon, off the bench last week. I really like the look of him when he kind of sat whoever the Sunderland defender was down in the box and went for the pullback. He, he, he looks a really, really good signing. But I think he will be a bench option along with Hutchinson. And I guess that will be, you know, that's really encouraging. If we get to 65, 70 minutes, we're in a in, in a good position, then you've got these quality wide players you can bring on and and hopefully Broadhead can really start to get back in his groove again. You know, I know he's he's been going through a little bit of a of a slump for the last kind of, what, month to five weeks or so. He'll know that Sarmiento is breathing down his neck, but all it takes is one moment of magic from him, you know, one of his get angry, long ranges against Cardiff um, and it can suddenly make all the difference and set him off again. But he'll, I think he'll, I think Sarmiento will come on when Jackson tires and that's when Broadhead will go through the middle. Yeah, um, Patrick says there, Omari on 60, um, 65th minute. I really liked bringing them both in in the Sunderland game. I haven't thought this, you know, we're not blessed with a magnificent, huge, giant squad in terms of, you know, having, uh, hopefully I'm allowed to say, like Leicester having, you know, in terms of loads of quality players on the bench. But I really thought when the two dribbly Premier League loanees came, and I'm like, oh, okay, something different, something fresh not a gigantic drop off from the first team as I like those two as subs but you've got to stay in the game until the 60th 70th minute right yeah, very much so. And that's when they can be the the difference makers. And we've discussed McAteer, who'll play on their their right-hand side. He's not played that much recently on his way back from injury, so he will tire in the game. And potentially that's then a chance for someone like Sarmiento to come on and really look to you know run at tired players and hopefully they can make a difference. 
Would you not get on the coach for a one nil loss? Not with this team, Nick. No, no they've yeah, um, surprised I know I've just, too many times now. Hey? Exactly. I know I've sat here and said, you know, how many t- the, the the qualities that Leicester have, but as how I said, they you? have lost. They have lost more games than us so far this season. That is the absolutely crucial thing. They've lost twice at home as well against kind of you know well organized sides, and we are a, we are a very good side, and we go there with with full confidence. And we see what happens. And by the way, a draw. Um, and don't shoot me down in the chat again. A draw is brilliant because you can really mark this off now and say Morsi would be back. There would be 18 games to go. You would have played Leeds twice and Leicester twice with Southampton to face at home. Yep. You would then have to score, we said this last week, not one more point than Southampton. You'd have to score the same amount of points as Southampton for the remainder of the season, which may prove difficult if they go another 21 games undefeated. But I'm sure we would all take that, knowing that Southampton go away to West Brom, to ourselves, to Leicester, and on the final day of the season, to Leeds. So, um, draw will do me. Very much so, yeah. I mean, uh, to quote Mr. McCarthy, offer me a draw now, and I probably, to, you know, the chapter said a minute ago, would you not get on the bus for a 1-0 loss? I, w- I would, wouldn't get on the bus for a draw, to be honest. That would be a great result. And then with Maidstone next week, then you've got a solid, what, nine, ten days of the window left to go, and you can really focus on, you know, supplementing that squad in the striking positions that we all know we need to get. And then the fixture list does start to ease a little bit. I know we've got West Brom in the in the next three weeks or so, but, you know, you're talking Rotherham, Birmingham, Preston, you know, the... With- February's with very, Morsi and probably a new striker. Yeah, and a lot are at home. February's a very busy month now with the rearranged Rotherham game. Um, but you've got that, yeah, like you say, Morsi back. The squad's more settled. You've supplemented it with hopefully one or two striking additions and you can really look to build up that head of steam before Southampton have to come to Portman Road. This is a great question. Look at this. Tom, which McCarthy player would suit our current side? Um, I mean, I he's would, mentioned the one we'd need at the moment would be I would Darryl snap Murphy, your hand off for 14-15 Daryl Murphy in this side. Yeah, just but that central Chris, position who makes it stick and brings Chaplin and Broadhead into play. Cresswell in the lopsided left-back role would be fantastic as well, wouldn't he? McGoldrick. Now, would McGoldrick work? He's almost too off, too off the cuff, but you'd always get a player of that um, quality in. So interesting, though, that um, for all of us, um, maybe me included, having a bit of a dig at mixed style from time to time, the key player in his team, Murphy, would fit also perfectly. But look, yeah, quality players get in whatever the style you're playing, don't they, sir? Yeah, very much so. I just think, you know, how many years how many years have we seen Murphy, you know, bringing others into play, holding up the ball, cutting in on that left-hand side? He would be absolutely perfect in this this current situation that we find ourselves in. There you go. Uh, Norman, this week we've been linked to Gallagher and Moore. For our style of play, who would be your preference? I think Gallagher would just Gallagher. be a bit more mobile, wouldn't he? Do, do, I mean, Moore... Um, and people seem to get very confused about this, the idea that because Moore is really good now, that we can't say he was bad when he was with us. Two things can be true. He was very bad when he was with us, and then he got better, and we're not wrong about him now being good if we say he was bad with us. Um, I'd take either, to be honest, but Gallagher would be my preference. What say you, Seb? Very much so, yeah. He's the most similar to Hurst in that he's more mobile than more, isn't he? I was sitting reading the comments. I was watching the Leeds game earlier and I was reading through some of the comments on um, on Telegram. And if you just said to me a couple of years ago that 
to to shoot us to the Premier League, we'd be relying on maybe Will Keane, maybe Kiefer Moore. I'd have thought you were crazy, but you know Moore's gone away, had an amazing kind of career since he left us. He'll be a handful. He came off the bench today for Bournemouth, so he's still kind of you know having involvements there. Um, but Gallagher is probably the most like Hurst for like Hurst replacement in terms of his mobility, and he can kind of he's he's not slow for a big guy, whereas Moore is obviously best blessed with with pace. But hopefully we'll get at least one of those two in and somebody else. Did you see Jay Stansfield's goal yesterday? That was a lovely finish. I haven't caught up. Um, it's, yeah, yeah but... that, that window's off. That, that ship has sailed now. But yeah, I yeah. just, when I saw him get out of his feet and thunder at home, I, I did think, oh, wouldn't that be lovely to see in front of the North Stand? But that one's gone now. And it looks like it'll be one of these two. And, and I guess maybe if Brandon Williams doesn't come back from Man United, it will be um, the guy, I can't think of his name. And my mind's gone blank. The guy from Sheffield Wednesday, who elbowed Wes Burns that we've been linked with. I can't think of his name. Marvin is. Johnson. That's the one. Yeah, Marvin Johnson, maybe. You're trying hopefully... to trigger the chat tonight, Sev. Hopefully one of those two <laughs> names on the uh, on Norman's question there. There you go. Um, in hindsight, do you think Town peaked too early this season, AD? I mean, look, there was always going to be, after such an absurdly high point scoring start, there was always going to be a regression to the mean, else we would have scored 100, or we would be on our way to 115 points, wouldn't we? Um, I don't think so. You take the points as they come, and if you pad the... Always remember West Brom under Slaven Bilic. They bimbled their way through the last 25 games of the season and took second place. We may not have that luxury with um, these year one parachute teams, but it's the um, it's what the mean is that you're regressing to, isn't it, Sev, is the key, right? <laughs> Yeah, and let's let's remember. I know we dropped down to third after Southampton's game yesterday, but you know we've just beaten Sunderland in a really good performance and a really big win at uh, at Portland under the lights last weekend. So I, I certainly don't think we've we've peaked too soon. You know, if we can if we can go and get something at Leicester, either a draw or you know amazingly a victory, that will set us up really nicely going into the end of the window in February. Like we discussed a few minutes ago, Morsey on his way back, hopefully a new striker or two through the door, and you know we've if if, if we'd have started the season and poorly then we wouldn't be in the position that we're currently in and we find ourselves you know in this kind of shootout with the with the parachute size that in reality let's be honest we don't have any right to be up with these guys you know if you look <laughs> at all I know I know we've discussed the budgets and the quality of Leicester but if you take Leicester Leeds Southampton and uh, and ourselves and compare everything on every metric they should be way ahead of us and and we are where we are on merit you know uh, yes maybe before the Sunderland game we were going through a little bit of a blip but as we saw last season you know we tend to have these mid-season wobbles if the January recruitment can be done correctly and done and done strongly then look what happened last year I'm not saying we're going to win 14 out of 15 games conceding three goals because that that would be mental <laughs> but this side has shown I'll us in the it. past that well yeah this side has shown us in the past that they are capable of going on these kind of runs as we did in the first half of the season and I'll repeat it again we have lost fewer games this season than Leicester have today <laughs> today um, yeah, today <laughs> Uh, Mr. Peanut, would you take a 4-0 win, but we don't sign a forward in January? I'm supposed to say no to that, but it would be so funny that I probably would take the 4-0 win. And not Can you imagine how gutted Sky would be if we go there tomorrow night and win? <laughs> They'll be absolutely devastated, won't they? No, I wouldn't. No, I'd would rather. Uh, i rather get a striker or two through the building. I don't think we can muddle our way to May with Jackson and Broadhead currently kind of playing in the, in the hybrid role. We so need a I couple of bodies. I think you would be surprised about TV viewership and which teams draw. And obviously Leeds are in a stratosphere of their own. But 
I think Sky are quite happy to have us on um, TV. And I think a lot of that was proved during the I follow um, kind of era. I know our away kind of attendances has gone up, but we're not just on Sky because we're near the top of the league. It has um, has been suggested to me that we are quite a good draw um, as well in terms of the uh, viewership. Uh, Kev, as good as Leicester's defence is, do you think Jackson's pace will cause them problems? So. It, it could do, couldn't it, if they play this in exactly the right way. If, if it's a case of him running himself into the ground and not being there for the big moment. But it was what I was saying about the, the wide open spaces and some potential speedy, speedy counters. It, it could be, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. I mean, this is not going to be a game where we have that much of the ball. They're averaging 69% possession, which is the highest in the league. So it's not going to be the kind of game we know where we knock the ball around comfortably. And if their centre-halves are in possession on the halfway line, knocking it around, and suddenly you get that moment, then yes, Jackson's pace could be absolutely crucial. You know, Ricardo Pereira does like to sometimes step inside into central midfield and kind of make one of those inverted fullback runs. And again, that might leave that little bit of space that you need for someone with the raw pace of Jackson to get in behind so yeah I think he could have an absolutely crucial role to play but hopefully like you say yeah the, the thing is that he's he's disciplined in his pressing and he doesn't just tire himself out come you know 55 60 minutes in and, and, and not be there the one time we managed to get a through ball through we need him to be kind of you know on it from minute one but saving himself somewhat for that one or two big chances if we can get them <laughs> will we ever get a penalty awarded us to us again um maybe we get one tomorrow hey Seb It'd be lovely. I mean, having watched back the town in five earlier in the week, the one on Amari Hutchinson was absolutely okay. crazy. How how that's not a penalty, I don't have a clue. So, unfortunately, if that's the benchmark for officiating at this level, um, then I'll remain I'll remain pessimistic. Well, let's give him a pass. That's not the benchmark for officiating at this level. But it was <laughs> a very very awful um, decision, wasn't it, um, Rich? Last Monday night football win in the league. Um, Rich, be careful with playoff scheduling is all I'll say as regards to Mondays because they do tend to go across an entire weekend. So um, we may play on a Monday again, potentially, Seb. I presume he's asking what the last one was. Oh, one. I thought you were saying last one of this season. Um, no, I think he's asking Monday what night... the last the last Monday night oh, win I see. was. Oh, okay, okay. I uh, I know we played somebody in the FA Cup, but that was on BBC. I don't know. I can't, I can't think. He'll have to enlighten us in the Oh, there you go. The Wigan, chat. Connor Salmon, yeah? Oh, I should know. And I was there, yeah. Luke Hyam scored. Yeah, okay. God, was that the last? I guess we haven't been on Sky Monday night for, for, for years, but Christ, that's a long time ago. I'll take that tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Le- uh, yeah, Travis arriving late on like Hyam did, just to, arriving late in the box, a side foot home. That would be magical. There you go. Connor Salmon. Uh, what about the Watford striker story? So that's um, Mileta Rayovic. There looks like there's more legs, <laughs> metaphorically and literally, um, in uh, Gallagher, doesn't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was a, a story earlier that Blackburn were interested in him, but judging from what you know, Dan, the chap on the the uh, the reaction show when we signed uh, Travis, was it suggests that the the Venkis are having trouble funding the club from from India with various government sanctions. So I'd be astounded if they could go out and pay. And yeah, I mean, the Watford guy, you know, I'll let you pronounce the name. What's he got? Eight eight nine goals so far this season. They've just sold um, Healy, haven't they, to Huddersfield for a couple of million quid? So do you think they wouldn't let two strikers go in the same window, would they? I don't want to be snobby, but 
we want we need a six or seven out of ten across the whole aerial running finishing thing and I think he's a bit more hang around in the middle and score some headers type striker from what my Watford mates um, sort of tell me so um, yeah I I could be wrong but uh, the whole not after a target man are we? we we need this kind of hybrid you need, you, um, yeah you need a target in. man in terms of holding the ball up but you also need to be fairly rapid like Aaron McKenna came out didn't he and said that George Hurst was unlike anything else and it's true isn't he for a six foot was he six foot one six foot two striker he's pretty quick as well and that just is that's that's the struggle trying to find that is what half the league are after at the moment and it's a really difficult thing to try and try and match isn't it yeah we're clutching here, aren't we? Is tomorrow's game considered a midweek game with respect to McKenna's <laughs> unbeaten record during the rest? Now, with all items of pedantry that are ultimately subjective, we accept anybody's view on this. Mine is that it's not a midweek game. But what is it? Because it's not a weekend game either, Seb, is it? No, I, I agree. It's not a midweek game for me. That has to be a Tuesday, when, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kickoff. I wouldn't class a Friday either. We'll call it, I don't know, weekend plus one. Weekend plus one. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Kev is saying, he makes this sound really easy, um, but this is a conversation. Um, Chris is in the chat. Chris is on one of my other streams yesterday doing a watch along. Um, 11 wins, four draws, four defeats, 95 points. Surely that's automatic. I mean, he makes it sound easy, but we're starting to have the same conversations now that we were having last year where we were going... Yeah oh, two teams are going to score 90 points. And then we were going, three teams are scoring 90 points. I've been hearing this week that 85 to 90 points plus for four teams, um, <laughs> potentially. Um, Leeds aren't quite at two points per game um, and they can't make it on Wednesday if they beat Norwich. But uh, everybody else is and projecting. And you wouldn't put it past Leeds having over 90 so could be you know as I said to you um before the pod Seb a poker player can play the perfect hand and still lose yeah I, I I'm not sure 95 will be enough for the automatics this year just just as you say just like 12 months ago we're sat here in this kind of shootout where everybody just keeps on winning week after week after week and it could be worse this year you know Leeds could easily go on a run and uh, and catch us up as well with the not catch us up in terms of the um you know the, the the points total but they could easily score over 90 points and you might have a situation where yeah you know Leicester I think will be will be out over a hundred and I think you might have second third and fourth potentially could all be over 90 points which is why that sh- last day shootout between Southampton and Leeds might be really really interesting might in that if, if, if well if we both might be really really helpful. we end up beating might be yeah, really, we end up beating really if we're yeah. anywhere close to him Seb yeah absolutely if we can you know if we is it Huddersfield we've got on the last day of the season imagine a scenario where yeah you know we can beat them and they can take points off each other that could be that could be lovely absolutely um well let's not do predictions then Seb let's play out each of the scenarios. Tell me what they look like. Um, I think I went for a, with Sam Parkin on the predictions, I went for a 2-2 draw. Maybe that was heart over head and I was trying to get a bonus point on my predictions, to be honest. Uh, Sam went for a 3-1 Leicester win, but does a Leicester win just look like they overrun us a little bit for a couple of periods and scoring both of them? 
Yeah, potentially they could score at the right times, couldn't they? Like we, like West Brom did when we went to the Hawthorns. You know, timings of goals can be crucial. I've, I, I think I've gone for a two-one defeat. I think, I think Leicester will beat us two-one. I don't think there's any great kind of shame in that or anything. It's a, you know, they, they, despite what some of some some people in the chat might think, you know, they are an excellent, <laughs> excellent side at this level, um, and it's a bit of a freak relegation and a freak championship squad to have for this year. You know, if you look next year, it could be Burnley, Luton, and Sheffield United back down in the championship and none of those would lay a glove on this squad that that Leicester have got. So, yeah, I guess if they if they do beat us by what did Sam Parkin say 3-1 then yeah, it's going to be a game of, you know, probably control from them. I'd imagine like I said earlier we will see probably 60% possession for them, certainly probably over over 55%. We might have to be a bit patient if we can go there and we can pull off a point or a victory. Well, we're probably going to stop them scoring for what one because that's the crucial Seb, thing. What do you, what do you think a draw looks like? Is that um similar to the Portman Road game where you'd imagine they take the lead and then just try and control the game and we can get back in. Can you see us taking the lead and then, then equalising? What do, you, what do you think a draw more likely looks like before we go to the really fun potential outcome? Well, if we take if, if we're going to play on the counter and hit them on the break, then us taking the lead there could be could be brilliant because they would have to come out and try and take us on, and that might result in space in behind, and the the, the you know the, the centre halves might be sat on the on the uh, the halfway and knocking the ball around, and that'll give us a chance to get back in behind them and, and kind of extend our lead further. I thought they were a bit, you know, the, the Portman Road game. So they were one nil up. They were in pretty much control from the goal up until half time. I thought second half we were absolutely brilliant, and I, I, I remember Mareska got a bit of. I think he was criticised by the Sky pundits a little bit for not kind of you know going for it a little bit more and looking to kill us off in the second half so they can be a bit conservative when when required maybe and, and I, I guess a point would be would be like that you know potentially they they score and just like that game they don't take the killer second we grow back into the game and you know either a moment of luck or a moment of magic from the right players at the right times could see us get something get, get a point from the game what do you think a win a win looks I, like just do, dominant would, just three nil blown away <laughs> It would be absolutely <laughs> incredible, wouldn't it? It'll be from a set piece. So we'll say, yeah, Leaf Davis will swing a corner in. We'll have a George Edmondson thumping header at the uh, at the far post. We'll ride on luck a little bit and we'll get out of town with three points. And at that point, we will be absolutely on cloud nine. There we go. Anything that kind of involves the, the last minute or, you know, Nick, Nick is, yeah, you have, you have to keep Joe off the pitch. A muggy one would be fun, wouldn't it? Where they have loads of chances and miss loads of chances, and we skulkily let Richard Chaplow it right at the end. Like of the game. Derby, Derby away, and it must have been 10 years ago now. And Carlos, we got absolutely battered that day. Scott Loach saved a penalty, and out of nowhere, Carlos Edwards rode forward and smashed one in from 30 yards. One of those days would be nice, wouldn't it? And David Diamond will tell you his story that he's told about 13 times yeah. on the pod about him celebrating in the uh, director's <laughs> box. Tremendous stuff. Um, as uh, someone asked about the Blue Monday team earlier, I will be there um, tomorrow night. Joe, Mikey, I think Craig as well. So um, if you're there tomorrow night, do say hello. I'll do a, I'll do a vlog unless we get hammered, in which case I just won't bother. Um, and that will be out on Tuesday. And then I think we're going review show, flagship show, and we'll look at in more detail at the rest of the championship. Um, games um on tuesday night that should just about do us um apologies if you were triggered we got a few negative comments in the chat saying we were praising leicester too much i don't think we did um i think we simply gave an illustration of um the level of player level of squad and level of points total we've got um if you have an issue with that then um 
write me a strongly worded letter at benjaminbloommusic at gmail.com. Um, but we tried to be balanced with this, said they are a good side. And nobody here is saying that this team of Kieran McKenna can't go there and do something, Seb. No, yeah, very much so. They've proven to us so many times. You know, we discussed that that week in April where all the Sheffield Wednesday fans were thinking, well, they're not going to go to Peterborough and get three points. They're not going to go to Barnsley and get three points. And obviously we did. You know, this side has proven to us so many times that when they're, you know, when they're up against it, when we really need them to pull a result out of the fire, they can do just that. And, and they deserve our, our kind of love for that. And hopefully tomorrow night will be one of those occasions we can look back on. And if we, you know, if we can go there and if we do get a win or even a point, we might well look back in May and say, yeah, that Sunderland victory and that brilliant performance at Leicester where we either got a point or we got a win really set us up nicely for that second half of the season when Striker X arrived, Morsey was back and it set us up on another run that really sort of, you know, set up our, our second half of the campaign. Legends, Seb, and legends, each and every one of you in the chat. Before we leave you, please do hit the thumbs up button. If you're listening after the fact on the audio, please do give us a five-star review. Safe travels, all of you traveling up to the King Power tomorrow. If you're listening in your car right now, we appreciate the hell out of you. And we love the fact that you let us share your journeys on the away games. And we will see you for the flagship show on Tuesday night. Go on, Tarrant. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.